So last week, I had to fix my tractor. Uh, as I went to cut the grass, I turned the key, nothing. Did it again, nothing. And so I fiddled around with it for a little while, and eventually, I got it fixed. And it was a glorious moment. I filmed it and everything. I was so excited. Um, but as I sat down this week to write this sermon, the question came into my head, what's the point? It's the title of the sermon this morning, but truly, what is the point of fixing my old tractor? It's going to break again, and eventually it will fail completely. Why bring it back to life? There's a lot of responses that we might have for that, right? It costs more money to buy a new one, which is true. Uh, we need it, I need it to cut the grass, which is also true. But ultimately, the question boils down to this. Do temporary things have value? That's our question for today. And that's where we will be going in 1 Kings this morning. So like I said, our passage is 1 Kings chapter 7, verses 13 through 47. I'll be reading right now 1 Kings 7, 13 through 14. Let's read. And King Solomon sent and brought Hiram from Tyre. He was the son of a widow of the tribe of Naphtali, and his father was a man of Tyre, a worker in bronze. And he was full of wisdom, understanding, and skill for making any work in bronze. He came to King Solomon and did all his work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father in heaven, you have given us your word to teach us, to direct us, to help us through this life. Father, we pray now that you would shine it on our hearts, that our hearts would be changed, that you would work through your word to draw us in to who you are and what you are doing in the world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this passage opens up with two characters, and we're kind of dropping back into the whole narrative of Solomon building the temple. And we have King Solomon and Hiram of Tyre. Now, King Solomon, we're fairly, we've become fairly well acquainted with. He is the son of David, and he is the new king after David. Now, Solomon is building the temple, right? The temple is the dwelling place of God, the place where God reminds his people that he will be their God, and they will be his people. In the building of the temple, Solomon hires Hiram to make some things for, for him and for the temple out of bronze. Now, the Hiram in this passage is not to be confused with Hiram, king of Tyre, in chapter 5. Though they are both named Hiram and they're both from Tyre, they're not the same person. We are told that this Hiram is the son of a widow of the tribe of Naphtali. Now, this piece of information is very important for us understanding who Hiram is. Remember, Naphtali was one of the 12 tribes of Israel, and the tribe of Naphtali was given land by Joshua in the northern region of Israel near the small island nation of Tyre. Now, even though Hiram's mom was a Jew, his father was a Gentile from Tyre. And this made Hiram somewhat of an outcast, especially within the Jewish people. We're not told much else about Hiram's background. We don't know if he was a worshiper of the Lord or not. But Solomon hires him to do the work of the temple. Why? 
The question is, why would Solomon hire this man who was an outcast to do the work that he needed to have done? Why didn't he hire a Jew? The answer, the Bible tells us, because he was really good. It says he was full of wisdom, understanding, and skill to make anything in bronze. Hiram was the bronze master. How did he become so good at working with bronze, though? The text tells us that Hiram's father was a worker in bronze. So maybe he inherited it. Maybe he just worked really hard at it. Now, both of those things are probably true. He probably learned a lot from his dad, and he probably worked really hard. But ultimately, how is he so good? Because of God's gift. God gave him the skills and talents to be good at working in bronze. And it's the same for us. God gives all good gifts, all skills and talents he gives to believers and unbelievers. This is what we call common grace. So our daughter Elise asks some of the greatest questions. And one question she will ask a lot, why is it raining? And instead of me trying to explain how God makes rain happen through the scientific process, um, we typically just say, well, God decided it's going to rain today. But if I'm really feeling like a Puritan, I'll say, well, Elise, God brings the rain on the just and the unjust. What do I mean by that? Common grace. Everyone benefits from the rain. Everyone benefited from the rain yesterday when it was 100 degrees and it dropped it down to 75. We all benefit from the rain. In the same way, God gives good gifts to Christians and non-Christians. We benefit from it. This is something that we need to uh, we need to recognize as Christians that unbelievers are capable of doing amazing things. Even though there are wonderful Christian artists, directors, chefs, mechanics, doctors that do great work, many times unbelievers may actually exceed the best Christians in a field. For example, I was meeting with a friend recently who works in the medical field, and he was telling me of a doctor friend of his who was extraordinary. If you had a lung problem, he was the one you wanted to see. Now, this doctor was not a Christian, but he was given a gift of medicine by God. And even though he may not profess God and worship him, his gift is worship of God. But this begs the question for us, why does God give gifts? And especially to those who do not believe and worship in him. Why does God make the craftsman, the artist, the mechanic, the engineer, the teacher? For what purpose has God created all of these people and made them all different? And speaking specifically from our text, why did God make Hiram and give him wisdom, understanding, and skill to make anything bronze? Our tendency, my tendency, is to think simply, well, the bronze vessels for the temple needed to be made, so God gave Hiram the ability so that they could have the things to do, the sacrifices and all the stuff the temple did. But is this the case? Is the sole purpose of Hiram's skill to just make these things? Hiram made a lot of things, by the way. If you look at verse 15 through 39, there's an in-depth list and analysis of everything he made, measurements, and descriptions, and I'm not going to read all that for you. I'll let you read that as you prepare for your afternoon nap today. But 
what I am going to read is verses 40 through 47. Because he, it's a summary of what Hiram made, and it gives us a good picture of how immense it was. So this is God's word. Hiram also made the pots, the shovels, and the basins. So Hiram finished all the work that he did for King Solomon on the house of the Lord. The two pillars, the two bowls of the capitals that were on the tops of the pillars, and the two lattice works cover the two bowls of the capitals that were on the tops of the pillars. And the 400 pomegranates were the two lattice works. Two rows of pomegranates for each lattice work to cover the two bowls of the capitals that were on the pillars. The ten stands and the ten basins on the stands, the one sea, and the twelve oxen underneath the sea. Now the pots, the shovels, and the basins, all of these vessels in the house of the Lord, which Hiram made for King Solomon, were of burnished bronze. In the plain of the Jordan, the king cast them. In the clay ground between Succoth and Zarethan, and Solomon left all the vessels unweighed, because there was so many of them, the weight of the bronze was not ascertained. As I read through this list this week, it was truly amazing all of the things Hiram made, and difficult for me to grasp just the immensity. Listen to verse 47 again, and Solomon left all the vessels unweighed, because there were so many of them. The weight of the bronze was not ascertained. Now, ascertained is a big word, but what does it mean? You see, all the things that Hiram made out of bronze, Solomon never weighed it all out. He didn't check the list. He didn't see if Hiram had met every single detail because Hiram made so much. The amount of work that Hiram did for Solomon in the temple was staggering. He faithfully completed the task that he had been given to make the vessels for the temple he did it well. He used the skills that God had given him to fulfill Solomon's order, provide for the needs of the temple, and ultimately glorify the Lord. But our question still remains, why did Hiram make all these things? Why did God give him these skills? What's the point? Was it just to make the things? When I graduated from college with an undergraduate degree in advertising, I naturally decided to go mow grass for a living. Not only did I cut grass, but we built rock walls, typical landscaping stuff. But the whole time I was doing this, I was struggling with purpose. You might say, what do you mean? Landscaping is one of the most tangible things you can do. You cut the grass, you see the benefit right there. But as I continued to work in it, the question in my head continued to roll around. What's the purpose of planting all these plants, putting out all this pine straw, cutting all this grass? The plants are going to die. The pine straw is going to turn gray. The grass will need to be cut again next year. Is it all in vain? I imagine other careers feel the same way. Many of you work in service roles at places like Chick-fil-A and Taco Mama. Whether you're cooking or waiting tables, you work all day for your labors to be eaten and disappear. Was it all in vain? We know Solomon struggled with this as well, from Ecclesiastes, as well as we will see as we continue through 1 Kings, how he couldn't seem to find satisfaction. Not only did Solomon struggle with this, but I have to imagine the Israelites reading 1 Kings were struggling with this as well, as they sat in exile. You see, in 2 Kings chapter 25, we see the Babylonians coming in and destroying the kingdom. 
ransacking Jerusalem, destroying every single bronze piece that Hiram made. All of it destroyed or carried off to Babylon. Was it a waste? Was all of the work that Solomon and Hiram did for nothing? Here's the deal. If we're focused on the things that we made, we might be tempted to say yes. It was in vain. If we we focus on the things that Hiram made, he might have been thinking this was a waste. We might think that because these things don't last, they don't have value, and there was no value in their making. But thankfully, the answer is no. Hiram and Solomon's work was not in vain, and neither is yours and neither is mine. See, every yard you mow, every customer you help, every car you fix, every job you complete has value. The issue we face is seeing that value. Seeing the eternal value of temporary things takes the lens that only Jesus can give us. Only Jesus can give us the perspective to see all things as a part of his grand redemption plan. Let me give you an example of how this might work. So this little book is a book called Every Moment Holy, recommended to me by my lovely wife. And it is a book that it's just what it says it is. It's about making every moment holy. And so in here I have a prayer for waiters and waitresses. Give grace this day, O Lord. I will probably need it. For my work here has taught me that people can be unkind. Some customers will receive my services gratefully, engaging me with a cheerful friendliness and making a point to show their thankfulness. What a joy it is to serve them. But others will make my day difficult going out of their ways to be punitive and demeaning, meeting any kindness with rebuff, treating me like an object, taking out on me whatever frustrations or disappointments gnaw at their own hearts. Give me grace to wait those tables, O God. Let my services to all customers in this upcoming shift be rendered as conscious acts of love to you, Lord, without regard for their varied responses and without expectation of their praise. Give me your grace to lavish upon even the rude and ungrateful that I would learn to imitate your constant mercy and your prodigal love, relentlessly extended even to my own inconstant heart, O my King. Let me serve joyfully, knowing that every act of service offered in your name is received by you and will have its eternal reward. Even those acts of kindness offered to ungrateful customers in a restaurant. So let me see today, O Lord, how your eternity intersects my service here, Now receive these my acts of worship. Amen. You see, all of our gifts, all of our talents, they have purpose. And ultimately that purpose is for the glory and worship of God. Even waiting tables, even making bronze vessels. You see, this is true for the believer, but also for the unbeliever. Everything we create, anything that is beautiful, good, or true is for the glory of God. And even though the thing that is made is passing away. The act of creating, that work that is done, carries eternal value. We can't always see this. When I was cutting grass and replacing dead plants, I couldn't see the eternal value of my job. I was working for a paycheck and the fleeting satisfaction that it might bring instead of the glory of the almighty, infinite, and eternal God. Friends, the world we live in, it's broken and stained by sin, but we serve a God who is making all things new again. Our labors, our using of our gifts and our talents, they are not in vain. 
because they are reminders that there is something good, something beautiful, something true in this world, that Jesus is redeeming and restoring all things. He is buying back his world from the clutches of sin and making it new again. The exercising of our gifts declares and displays the power and graciousness of the gift giver, our Lord and Savior, Jesus. It says it and shows it that Jesus is on the move. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 is a great reminder for us. It says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Friends, the ultimate gift God gives is salvation. It is the greatest of all the gifts. Just like the others, just like Hiram's gifts and abilities, it was not a result of works. As we see in verse 10, we are his workmanship, created by Jesus, the master craftsman, created for good works, which we walk in, that he has laid out before us. He has prepared them beforehand for us to walk in them. Now, these good works, they're not just being kind to your neighbor, loving others, even sharing the gospel, though those are wonderful and very important things. These good works, they include everything. Every meal we make, every car we fix, every job we finish, every diaper we change is a good work of God. God has created to do these things. God has created us to do these things for his glory and our good. They are not in vain. Every good work of God is a small part of his big work of redeeming and restoring all things. All these little works are coming together, pointing us to the day when Christ returns and makes all things new again. See, all of our little works, they may vanish away, but the work of our God will last forever. It is in this fact, this truth, that we may take comfort and find rest in our Savior and Redeemer, King Jesus. We take comfort knowing that our labor is not in vain, that all the work we will do in our lives, even if it is taken away, it vanishes away, even if it's carried off to Babylon, even though it cannot save us, God's glory is magnified through it. And one day, we who trust in Christ for salvation, we will see God's glory with our own eyes, fully, finally. We will enjoy it. We will not be destroyed or undone by the presence of God, but we will enjoy Him and His glory. We will get to enjoy the fruits of his labor and the redemption of our own. Friends, if you are believing and trusting in Christ, this is what we have to look forward to. An eternity of glory in the kingdom of God. But if not, I encourage you to seek the Lord in prayer. Today is the day of salvation for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved and will dwell with him forever. Let us pray. Father in heaven, you are good. You're a gracious king. Your mercies abound. We are thankful. Father, we thank you that you are working to redeem and restore all things and that you give us purpose in every little thing. Every little action we have, God, you have given us purpose to glorify and enjoy you forever. Thank you, Father, for this beautiful gift. These things we ask in Jesus' name.